0: All right, let's bring on Sean Richards here, freelance economist. Thank you for joining me today, Sean.
1: A pleasure. Nice to be back on your show.
0: Definitely. It's great to have you on. The first thing I want to do is kind of just talk about it on kind of a high level. Hear your take on what exactly happened yesterday and what led to this result from the Bank of England.
1: Okay, um, there's, there's been various factors in play. One of it comes from your country, actually, that the Federal Reserve and its raising of interest rates and the consequent rise in the dollar has put a lot of pressure on the rest of the world. In the last week or so, it's hit my country, the UK. Why? Well, there were two things. First is, if we go back a week to last Thursday, the Bank of England decided to raise interest rates by half a percent. Now, that really matters because the Fed had raised by three quarters. I know it's only a little bit. But at the minute, in my opinion, you've got to match the Fed. You could almost set our interest rates for us, in my opinion. We've got to. Otherwise, the dollar will hurt us. So that was in play. Then the next day, we had a budget where there was a big change in policy in terms of supporting energy costs. Now, I know that they've risen in the US. but I'm not sure if people ordinarily have the idea of how much they've risen over here. You know, the, the, the one next month even with the help, and this is with, will be up 26%. It would have been much, much more without it, maybe even 100%. So that's what's implied here. There's another factor. One area the Bank of England was copying um, the US in was that it was going to sell some of the bonds it bought. So the Federal Reserve has been doing this for a few months. Bank of England was going to start in a few weeks, and then that, Didn't seem very well. So we had that. We had the government borrowing more. Pressure came on. And then there was something else that came up that made things something of a crisis. And that is pension funds have had it difficult because interest rates have been zero. They've got to pay up money. They did all sorts of derivative deals. And it's human nature. You assume, well, this one happened over there. And guess what? It has. So it's it's like the film A Perfect Storm. Who was it? George Clooney. Everything hits at once. UK was in a mess. So the Bank of England decides we've got to come back in. And this is a real reversal here because they were going to be selling. Now they're buying. Yeah. So yeah, that's now the mixture of the whole sequence of events.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, you know, of course, all the investors are wondering, what are the ramifications now of this move going towards kind of QE Versus when everybody else is kind of more in QT mode, right? Everyone's trying to tighten. And it seems like this is a move back to quantitative easing. How do you feel the ramifications will be moving forward?
1: Well, I, I've long questioned whether they can actually ever stop QE. It's just such a big push. You know, yeah. if, we, if we look in the, look in the UK, now, that we have actually trimmed it back a bit because we let bonds mature. But it was still about £840 billion, so less from the £875 billion, but nonetheless a lot. If we look at Europe, I think their balance sheet is four or five trillion euros. The Federal Reserve balance sheet, I know they're trimming it a little bit, but it's still just shy, excuse me, of nine trillion US dollars. How are they going to, you know, it was my old line of work in the bond market. Who are they going to get to buy all this? Because for a long time, people have got out of the habit because the central banks have bought it. So there's sort of generations of people, not generations, excuse me, but people have worked for several years and not done. It. So there's a lot of questions about that. Returning to my original point, and this is a a, sort of, a lot of this is US centric, actually, I would that the Fed has really put a squeeze on here by raising interest rates. Now here's the twist they've bought at the top, now they want to sell at the bottom. How does that work? Doesn't work for you or I, does it?
0: Yeah, no. And my question would be here Will the Bank of England do what their mission was here, right? It was to stabilize the pound, right? Will they be able to actually stabilize it?
1: Well, the pound's done very well today. After a rough run, we're back above, or at least last time I checked, we're back at 110. So we're not quite back where we were. I mean, we're above 111, the budget 112. But if we sort of get back to that, that stabilizes it. But there's still an issue because over the year there've been various things in the world. We've lost ground against the dollar, virtually everyone has. We've actually gained ground against the yen, because that's done even worse. And we've done a little deep things anyway. We're a little bit worse than the euro. So the pressure's been on everyone. The idea that it's sterling crisis. well, okay, Monday night or whenever that was, excuse me, Monday morning, Sunday night, when we went to 103, yeah. But that was quiet markets. They were looking for stops here. I don't know if um, viewers are comfortable with this, but I've seen this many times, and I used to work on the futures floor in London. I've done various other things. People will take the market to where they think they can make money. That doesn't mean that's the right price. That means that on Sunday night, who was going to buy the pound? No one. Anyone that might was probably asleep for a start. But anyway, nonetheless, if they got up, still no one. So you take the price down. It's a free run. Then there are people that will have orders in, stop losses, that they'll trigger. And so that's easy money for them. So even by the next morning, we were back up at one oh seven. So I feel very sorry for those with the stop losses because they have been cleaned out. But that's the way that it works. Again, less likely, say, for the US dollar, because that's probably more, well, it's certainly more actively traded most of the time. But even something pretty well-known like the pound will have periods where it's quiet. You know, we've seen things, say... Bounce around even in the Japanese yen. That's had a lot of moves this year. That is the third most widely traded currency. So there's a lot of things in play. And the pressure is really being squeezed. You're putting a lot of pressure on the rest of the world. or Not you personally, but Jerome Powell and his colleagues at the Federal yeah. Reserve.
0: Definitely. I mean, and you said it best, right? I mean, a lot of times the other banks follow our central bank, right? And I think one of the things that I've been seeing now, and it's from different governments, right? The UK did this also, is put those energy caps, right? How do you think those energy caps really play out in the long run? And would these caps create more inflation in the long run? Well, I
1: think a lot of the problem here has been energy policy that we've had. See, there's nothing necessarily wrong with wind farms and solar, but if you try and rely on them in scale, you have all sorts of issues. To give you an example of something I looked up, modelling in the UK, now God knows why they did this, it wasn't me, seemed to assume that wind would only stop for five days. And then we had a period of three weeks where it was very low. And actually most of August and some other time recently, has also been a wind drought. So you can't rely on that at all uh, because it's on a really good day. The UK gets about 16 gigawatts out of it, which is a decent thing. But how do you replace that? So you need all the other stuff. So we've sort of splashed around spending money and it's now quite a mess because what happens when you make yourself vulnerable? Invariably something turns up and it's the Ukraine war, which means it's not – for the UK, that big a deal, the gas being turned off, because we didn't really use that. But of course, people we might have relied on, it's taken it off then. So something where we might have used it, a reserve's gone. Now we're looking around. And here's the real insanity of this. I don't know how much. US viewers are aware, but the UK has loads of coal. We don't choose to use it. It is apparently green to do the following. Pay someone else to mine it, chip it to the UK, then we use it rather than someone digging it up in Nottingham or places like that, where we have lots of it. So there's, this is a mess. This is our own mess. But this is generically true for Europe. So yourselves have helped us out a bit, sending us some LNG and so on. Because there's a genuine risk people would be cold here this winter. Not necessarily because they can't afford it. That's a problem. But that there isn't any. And I think the UK is just about got out of there, won't be anything. But other parts of Europe, that's not necessarily true.
0: So what happens next, Sean? What happens next in Europe from going forward from here?
1: Well, I think that there's very, very strong recessionary influences because there's lots of businesses that rely on energy and they're just uneconomic. You know, someone might be selling windows to someone and someone will pay £200 for that. It might be coming back this year saying, well, it's now 800 And then even if someone wants to pay it, they might not be able to with that sort of move. So all of the energy intensive industries are in quite a mess. If you follow the media news around here, there's announcements of slowdowns, reduced hours. Some places are just closing. You know, it's very sad. Some of these businesses are 100 years old or something like that. And it's all because of this big whoosh in energy prices makes it uneconomic. I mean, in a sense, maybe for bits of the US are good. Somewhere I don't know, maybe the fracking sites are in Texas or something like that. Might be get some cheap thing, start up a blast furnace. But over here, that sort of things, and that feeds through into other stuff. Um, for example, think of you, Germany produces a lot of stuff. How does that work?
0: Well, they need energy, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. So this, so this is the. So, recession fame as well as inflation
0: now one of the things that we'll definitely keep an eye on is i think in the next couple of months will there be any mention of other banks kind of going into that panic mode right i think this is something that we need to keep on watch i think you know some of the economists even here in the u.s started pointing towards maybe our fed would pivot if they could see maybe in financial accident coming on the way or some instability do you feel that these are the questions that are to be asked now
1: definitely because these things to predict like say the pension funds that caused some of the trouble in the uk there's probably an equivalent in the us somewhere just simply hasn't blown up yet and yeah. you know it's, it's self-fulfilling scenarios once it starts it's like something rolling down a hill and you can't stop it and but How can you predict that? I would suggest that probably the areas most exposed are around Europe, because remember, they had negative interest rates. And for a long time, they had negative bond yields. So for things like their pension funds, this must be very awkward. I mean, how did that ever work? So someone comes in and they give you some money for a pension and you say, in 25 years' time, that'll be worth less than what you gave us. That works, doesn't it? So there's there's lots of questions on that. You know, and that's
0: the thing. You know, of course, uh, one thing that we definitely don't want to be seeing is financial instability, right? There's one thing battling inflation. There's a whole nother thing when it starts getting into financial instability. So it looks like the Bank of England stepped in here to change that. Now it's going to be about what results from this. Thank you for joining me today, Sean Richards, freelance economist. You guys can definitely find Sean on Twitter also reach out. He puts out some great tweets. So thank you for coming on today, Sean. Thank you. A pleasure.